Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast. Here we are with the next question. When should a Christian separate from other professed Christians? Yeah, this is a question that uh, has been very controversial over the years with so many people because uh, the way that I grew up, man, it seems like everyone was always separating with everyone else over just about anything if you had some sort of a disagreement. And when you think about it, we have so many denominations and doctrinal differences, man-made beliefs, and so much more that often gets in the way of the mission of the gospel. And so how can we find the balance? That's what we want to talk about today. And there are clearly things that warrant separation. So I think that's really important to understand that. Mm -hmm. And then there are also some things that we've just overreacted to that is brought separation when it should not have. Right, right. And so there's some things that warrant separation. And let's talk about those things, okay? And obviously, we're going to use the Bible as our guide for this, okay? So there's, uh, first of all, when you tamper with the gospel, we know that Jesus told the disciples in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, said, go and make disciples. And so uh, the verb there, the challenge there is to make disciples. And then everything that emphasized the making disciples was going, baptizing, and teaching. So that's the priority of the church. It's so important that we follow that priority. And so anyone that gets in the way of that priority or anyone that tampers with what the gospel is all about mm-hmm. is someone that you want to you wanna, um, stay away from, you want to steer clear of. So 2 Corinthians 11.4, the Bible says, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. And he goes on to say, you need to get rid of that. You need to stop focusing on that or uh, being in connection with that. So Mm -hmm. there's gospel tampering. So I think about when it comes to the gospel, we know that salvation is by grace through faith alone. Anyone that's going to preach that you're going to be saved by good deeds, good works, that's something to steer clear of. Anyone who's going to take Jesus, for instance, I I ran into a guy one time, he was a pastor, and he literally looked at me and said, I'm not even sure that Jesus is deity, that Jesus is God in the flesh. And I, wow. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Wow. And I thought to myself, that's a big problem because Jesus, if he's not God in the flesh, then our salvation is in vain. He's not a worthy sacrifice uh, because he wouldn't have been perfect, who would be the only one that could take our sins and then overcoming our sins as the perfect sacrifice. So uh, if someone preaches a different Jesus or you know, sometimes even a different spirit, right? Like mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is going to, you know, we talk about it a lot, the health, wealth, and prosperity that um, some people preach, you know, mm-hmm. this idea that God's just going to bless you with so many things and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you all these things. And I think that can be detrimental because when we look at the first century disciples, every one of them lost their life for the cause of Christ. Right. Now, what should we do as a follow-up question? Should we confront that? Should we just stay silent about that? This is kind of a a sub-question of that. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it depends on the circumstances. Of course, my personality is always to confront everything. It really depends on that moment. You know, it's interesting. I just walked in and I voted today and uh, I voted no on proposal three, of course. In my first uh, inclination of my heart was just to tell everybody, I voted no on this. <laughs> but I thought that's not really the right place to take a stand here. It's just going to cause more anger and hatred from people in the moment. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely times to take a stand. And when you hear someone speaking of Jesus in the wrong way, 
Yeah, absolutely. I do think uh, you need to take a stand against that, have a conversation, but do so in a in a kind way. Right, right. Yeah, Okay. that's what I would say. You mean shouting at people doesn't really change their mind? <laughs> Not usually. Okay. Not All usually. Right. So gospel tampering would be the first thing that warrants separation, true gospel tampering. Uh, number two is what I would call lifestyle recklessness. Uh, and this is what I like to call... Um, so the first one I would call... Gospel tampering, complete separation. The second one, lifestyle recklessness, I would call disengaging separation. 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul warned young Timothy, the preacher, in Ephesus. He said, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, love, faith, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So what's Paul calling for? He's calling for separation. He's saying you need to go. You need to get away from this. And uh, it's important to understand this. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11, um, Paul is speaking again, and he says, I wrote to you, he's talking to the church at Corinth, he said, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now notice this, he says, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. <laughs> in other words, he's saying, we're not talking about those who are unsaved necessarily right now. He's talking about those who call themselves a brother or sister in Christ, but they're living a lifestyle that's disobedient, and they don't care. Their attitude is like, I don't care. I'm going to live this way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live in sexual immorality. I'm going to live for wealth. I'm going to live in idolatry, worshiping you know, the culture. And he says, get away from these people. Mm-hmm. And so he says, but he gives the the opposite. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister in Christ, who is sexually immoral, greedy, idolater, or a swindler, a drunkard, or a swindler. Uh, do not even, notice this, do not even eat with such people. Right. So Paul is calling for separation, and he's literally calling for people to separate from brothers and sisters in Christ, at least those that profess. Now, the question is always brought up, well, aren't we all sinners? Shouldn't we all have grace because we're all sinners? And the, the answer is we are all sinners. The difference is the attitude. It's the heart attitude. Mm-hmm. This person here in particular, in the context, this guy was sleeping with his father's wife, his stepmother, and he didn't care. He didn't care, and he was kind of arrogant about it. Now, we all have issues and struggles, and the person who battles and struggles, and they're broken over their sin, but they're struggling, that's a different kind of person than the person who just doesn't even care. Right, right. And a lot of times I hear pushback on on this specifically when people say, oh, are we not supposed to judge, mm-hmm. right? Because there's yeah. some place in the Bible that says, judge not lest ye be judged. Yes. But that's out of context, right? Absolutely. Matthew chapter 7, very beginning of the chapter, talks about judge not that ye be not judged. But you have to understand, Jesus was talking to the religious hypocritical leaders of that day, the Pharisees, who thought they were better than everybody else. And so Jesus was challenging them to see their own sin. And that is true of all of us, right? When we put somebody out of the church or we separate from someone over their uh, habitual, continual sin, we do so in a contrite heart, a broken spirit. We're not doing so because we think we're better than that person. When we do think that, then we're sinning in our pride right then. Mm -hmm. And so that's the context. The Bible does go on to say that a righteous man judges all things. And again, the verses I just read in 1 Corinthians 5 we are called to deal with sin, and we are called to deal with sin in a kind and a loving way, you know, not as if um, we're better than anybody. Right, right. All right, so number one is gospel tampering, complete separation. Number two is lifestyle recklessness, disengaging separation. And number three 
is the unsaved. And I would call this calculating separation. 2 Corinthians 4 verses uh, 14 through 18, 2 Corinthians 6, I should say, 14 through 18 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can you have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's another name for Satan. Hmm. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk with them, and I will be their God. And they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So in the context in Corinth, I believe Paul was speaking about business uh, partnerships. I believe he was speaking about marriage. These partnerships that were deeper than just uh, casual friendships but he did say it's important that we are not yoked, connected to unbelievers in a controlling kind of way. Now, the reality is we all have to have, I believe, unsaved friends at some level because we need to be reaching people with the gospel. But I will say the closest people in our lives, our greatest community, uh, the friendships where the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron needs to be with the believers in Jesus. And mm-hmm. so that's why I call it a calculating separation. There's a lot of relationships that are toxic to us, and we need to be very careful that we're not engaging in those relationships. And our attitude, our behavior with unsaved people, that are friendships, it should always be centered around the reality that they need Jesus and not around hobbies and interests and things like that. If you can get together with unsaved friends and be watching football or be hanging out doing something else, and you don't even think about whether they're going to hell or not, like then your priorities are out of whack. Right, right. It's almost like you don't care. Yeah, it's almost like you're not focused on the real need. And the fact is, someone who's unsaved, their priorities in their belief system, their structure, um, their value system, it's all very different than what yours is, even if they're quote-unquote good people. And so we should not be in deep-rooted relationships with unsaved people because ultimately there's more of a chance of them bringing us down than us bringing them up. Now, again... Should we have relationships with unsaved people? Absolutely, because right. they need to come to know Jesus. Right. We have to be very careful what we do. So those are three different uh, things that do warrant separation. Now let's talk real briefly about things that do not warrant separation. And this is going to get me preaching, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Number one is styles and methods that should not warrant separation. If you are going to separate over a dress code, if you're going to separate over a music style or over a program, then that is not right. You should not do that. And so the fact is, there are churches that have more of a traditional style of music than Emmanuel does. There are those that wear their quote-unquote Sunday best, suits, ties, dresses, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I say go for it. Do whatever you want to do. But you should never have an attitude of separation in an issue that's not really an issue biblically. Right. So we have to understand this, right? There's going to be nuances to how we do ministry, all of our different churches and different individuals. Don't separate from someone just because you don't like their style. Styles come and go, but doctrine and truth abides forever. And so let's focus on what the Bible actually says and not what 1950s Christianity has created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of harkens to like the, the Pharisees of the day. They would get all dressed up in their best and look down on people that were, quote unquote, less holy than them. They didn't dress up as nicely as them. And what did Jesus call them? 
whitewashed tombs, right? Yes, absolutely. They, they were looking good on the outside, but on the inside, they had dead man's bones. Absolutely. And Jesus always focuses on the inside. Man focuses on the outside. So styles and methods, number one. Number two is what I would call secondary doctrinal differences. Uh, it's really, really important. Al Mohler talks about this in spiritual triage, I think he calls it. Literally, uh, the focus of um, different secondary doctrinal issues that we may see uh, not eye to eye in these areas, but it doesn't mean that we separate over these areas. So I would say one example is Calvinism versus Arminianism. Now, some of you listening may have no idea what this is, and that's probably good, okay? <laughs> but there are those that will say, all right, well, you know, God chose certain people to go to heaven, certain people to go to hell. And then there's other people that will say, no, God didn't do that. God loves everyone. And it's both sides are, are kind of true. Like there's a lot that goes into this doctrinally. I'm not saying that God chose people to go to hell, but I'm just saying Calvinism, Arminianism, there's some interesting things to go along with it. And I just won't engage in these kind of arguments. Mm. Another one is end times. End times. Well, is Jesus going to return um, before the tribulation? Is he going to return after the tribulation? As a, as a Baptist growing up in a, you know, in a Christian home, I was always taught that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. All the believers will be raptured up to heaven and won't have to go through the tribulation. But I have good friends that are what we like to call mid-tribbers, that they believe halfway through those seven years of tribulation, that's when we're going to go and be raptured. There are people that don't even believe in a rapture. And so do I think those things matter? I mean, I think they do, but not when it comes to separation. Even baptism. Now, baptism is an important thing. Don't don't misunderstand me. But I have brothers in Christ who are Presbyterians, and they baptize their babies, not for salvation, but for dedication. Now, do I believe they're wrong? Yes, I do believe they're wrong. Is it enough for me to separate from them? No, it's not. They preach the gospel that Jesus Christ came, he died, he was buried, he rose again. It's by grace through faith alone. They love Jesus, and I love them, and I will not separate from them. And so there's a lot of secondary doctrinal differences. Now, what's a primary difference? Well, we already talked about one. Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't believe he is, that's a problem. If you don't believe in the virgin birth, that's a problem, because then he wouldn't be sinless. He would have been born into sin. If you don't believe the Holy Spirit is God, then we have a problem, because the Holy Spirit is God, and so is the Father, and so is the Son. So there are some primary issues. We don't have time to get into all of them, but most of the issues that we separate over are secondary issues. And number three, is perfectionism. <laughs> There's no perfect church or perfect Christian. Amen. And so, man, a lot of times we separate because we see an issue in someone, but it's not what we were talking about earlier where it's a, a hard issue that they don't want to change. It's just that they're not perfect. I, I run into people all the time that are, you know, trying to find a church. Sometimes it's, you know, wanting to come to Emmanuel. And I always tell them, Please know that Emmanuel is not a perfect church. We have issues just like any church. And so things that do not warrant separation. Styles and methods, number one. Secondary doctrinal differences. And if you're struggling with knowing what is primary and secondary, please come to me or one of our other pastors, and we'd love to help you. Number three is perfectionism. There's no perfect church, no perfect Christian. See the person's heart. But there are some things that do warrant separation. When you tamper, number one, with the gospel— Number two, a lifestyle that's reckless around you. And number three, in certain situations, for sure, unsaved people that don't want the gospel that could influence you, even infect you in the wrong ways. Thanks, John. And thanks for joining us today. If you have a question you would like answered on a future 
episode, please email john at weareemmanuel.life and we will talk to you next week.